Hello all my nieces and nephews and welcome to Auntie Jojo's Library. My library is open to all listeners but it was specifically created for my seven wonderful nieces and nephews. I want to apologize for the delay in posting this episode. I'm having some technical difficulties with my software. My original recording did not sound as good as I wanted it to. So here are chapters Six, seven, and eight from the Calico Illustrated Classics, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Let's get started. Chapter six, An Extraordinary Cat. For a minute or two, Alice stood staring at the house. While wondering what she should do next, a fish footman came out of the woods It wrapped its knuckles on the door to the house. A frog footman answered the door. Alice thought it quite curious. She crept a bit out of the woods so she could get a closer look. The fish handed over an envelope. This is an invitation for the Duchess. The Queen would like to invite her to play croquet. With that, both bowed to each other. After that, the fish footman had gone. Alice walked shyly up to the door and knocked. There's no use in knocking, said the frog footman. I'm on the same side of the door. Those inside can't hear you. They're making too much noise. Alice listened at the door. He was right. There was an awful ruckus going on. She heard a great many sneezes, howling, and crashes of all sorts. How do I get in? asked Alice. At that moment, the door opened a crack. A large plate came whizzing out. It grazed the frog's nose and smashed into pieces against a tree behind them. The frog footman babbled on without even flinching. It was as if nothing had happened. He's making no sense at all thought Alice. So she pushed on the door and easily found herself in the smoky kitchen. On one side, the Duchess sat on a three-legged stool nursing a baby. On the opposite side, the cook stirred a large pot. The cook furiously added pepper to the soup. There was so much pepper, Alice started to sneeze. Then the Duchess sneezed and the baby sneezed. How odd, thought Alice that the cook and her cat are not sneezing. Alice couldn't take her eyes off the cat. It was a large cat sitting on the hearth and grinning from ear to ear. Why does your cat grin like that? asked Alice. Please tell me, it's a most curious thing. It's a Cheshire cat, that's why, said the cook as she added more pepper to the pot. Most of them grin. Alice looked confused. I don't know that cat's grin at all. You don't know much, said the Duchess. That's a fact. Alice didn't care for her tone of voice one bit. She planned to tell the Duchess so, but before she said anything, she had to duck fast, for the cook threw everything that was in her reach at Alice, the baby, and the Duchess. The Duchess didn't seem to notice. Even when a plate hit her, she didn't flinch. Do be careful, screamed Alice. A plate almost hit the baby. If everyone just minded their business, said the Duchess, the world would go around a great deal faster than it does. 
which would not be such a thing said alice she felt quite happy that she could show off how smart she truly was just think what work it would make with the day and night you see earth takes twenty-four hours to turn on its axis speaking of axis said the duchess chop a head off alice glared at the cook to see what she would do Thankfully, the cook was too busy throwing things and stirring the soup to pay any attention to the duchess. Is it 24 hours or 12 hours? asked Alice. Don't bother me, said the duchess as she flung the baby to Alice. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. That's funny. <laughs> Take the baby. I must get ready to play croquet with the queen. She hurried out the door and just missed being hit by the flying, flying fan. <laughs> Alice bar barely caught the baby. She quickly brought the baby outside. What a relief Alice <laughs> felt when she saw that it wasn't a baby she was holding. It was only a pig. <laughs> she gently set the pig down on the ground and watched it race off. When she looked up, she saw the Cheshire cat sitting on a branch in a tree. The cat grinned. Although it looked happy, Alice couldn't help but notice its long, sharp claws and teeth. She knew she had to treat it with great respect. She was too afraid not to. Cheshire cat, would you please tell me which way to go? That depends where you want to get, replied the cat. I don't much care, said Alice. Then it doesn't matter which way you go, replied the cat. I just need to get somewhere, Alice offered. Anywhere. If you walk long enough, said the cat, then you will get somewhere. Alice felt frustrated. True. Well, she said, glancing around, what kind of people live around here? In that direction? The cat said, waving a paw around, lives a hatter. Waving the other paw, he added, in that direction, lives a March hare. Visit either you want. Both are mad. Mad as can be. I don't want to be where mad people are, said Alice. You can't help it, said the cat. We're all crazy here. I'm mad, you're mad, he paused. Are you playing croquet with the queen today? I would like to, but I haven't been invited yet, said Alice. You'll see me there, said the cat. Then he vanished. Alice was getting used to strange things, such as disappearing cats. The cat reappeared. May I ask what became of the baby? It was a pig, said Alice. I let it go. I thought so, said the cat. It vanished again. Alice waited a bit, expecting for it to reappear. After a few minutes, she walked towards the March Hare. I've seen hatters before. As she said this, she noticed the cat back on the branch of the tree. Did you say it was a pig or was a fig? I said pig, said Alice. I wish you wouldn't keep appearing and vanishing so suddenly. All right, 
said the cat. This time he vanished slowly, beginning with his tail and ending with his grin. His grin remained for some time after the rest of him had gone. Alice thought it was the most curious thing she had ever seen. Not much further ahead, Alice came upon the house of the March Hare. It was such a large house that she didn't dare go close until she nibbled some of the mushroom in her left hand. It caused her to grow about two feet high. She walked slowly up to the house. What if the hare is raving mad? Then she had a terrible thought. Perhaps I should have gone to see the hatter instead. Chapter 7 The Mad Tea Party There was a table set out under a tree in the front of the house. The March Hare and the Hatter were sitting drinking tea. A Dormouse was sitting between them. He was fast asleep. The March Hare and the Hatter were using his head as a cushion. They rested their elbows on the mouse's ears and talked over his head. The table was large, but the three were all crowded together in one corner. No room, no room, no room, no room, they cried when they saw Alice coming. There's plenty of room, said Alice. She sat down in a large armchair at the end of the table. It wasn't very civil of you to just sit at our table without being invited, said the March Hare. What rudeness, thought Alice. It wasn't very civil of you to not invite me, said Alice, and I didn't know it was your table. There is certainly room for more than three people. Your hair needs cutting, said the Hatter. He had been staring at her for several minutes. You should learn not to make such personal remarks about people. It's quite rude, said Alice. The Hatter's eyes grew wide. Why is the raven like a writing desk? Alice smiled. Riddles? I love riddles. I believe I can answer that. Alice tried to think of everything she knew about ravens and writing desks. Her thoughts were interrupted. What day of the month is it? asked the Hatter, turning to Alice. He had taken his watch out of his pocket and looked at it uneasily. He shook it every now and then and held it to his ear. Alice thought about it for a minute. The fourth? Two days wrong. Huh. <sighs> sighed the Hatter. He turned to the March Hare. I told you butter wouldn't work. He looked angrily at the March Hare. It was the best butter, the March Hare said. Crumbs must have gotten in it as well, sighed the Hatter. He shook his head in disgust. You shouldn't have put it in with the bread knife. The March Hare took the watch and looked at it gloomily. Then he dipped it into a cup of tea and looked again. It was the best butter, you know. It truly was the best butter. Alice couldn't help but notice the watch. What a funny watch. It tells the day of the month, but not what o'clock it is? How odd. Why should it? muttered the Hatter. Did your watch tell you the year? Of course not, replied Alice. But that's because it's the same year for a long time. It's easy to remember. Do you know the answer to the riddle yet? asked the Hatter. No, I give up, said Alice. What's the answer? I have no idea, said the Hatter. Nor do I, said the March Hare. Alice sighed. I think you do something better with the time than waste it asking riddles that have no answer. 
If you knew time as well as I do, said the Hatter, you wouldn't talk about wasting it. It's him. I don't know what you mean, said Alice. Of course you don't, said the Hatter. I dare say you've never spoken to time. Perhaps not, Alice said cautiously, but I know I have to beat time when I learn music. Ah, that makes sense. He won't stand for a beating, you know. If only you had to keep on good terms with him. He'd do almost anything you liked with the clock. You could keep the time if you wanted. Is that what you do? asked Alice. It's always six o'clock. It's tea time for us, explained the March Hare. And we've no time to wash the dishes and saucers between tea times. Then you keep moving around, I suppose. Exactly so, said the Hatter. But what happens when you come to the beginning again? Alice asked. Suppose we change the subject, said the Hatter. I vote the young lady tells us a story. I'm afraid I don't know one, said Alice, rather alarmed at the proposal. Then the Dormouse shall, they both cried, wake up. And they pinched him on, his, on both his sides at once. The mouse slowly opened his eyes. I wasn't sleepy, he said in a hoarse, feeble voice. I heard every word you fellows were saying. Tell us a story, said the March Hare. Yes, please do, pleaded Alice. And be quick about it, or you'll sleep again before it's done. Once upon a time, there were three little sisters. The mouse began in no hurry. Their names were Elise, Lacey... Tilly, they lived at the bottom of the well. What did they live on? asked Alice. She always took great interest in questions of eating and drinking. They lived on molasses, said the mouse, after thinking a minute or two. They couldn't have done that, you know, Alice gently remarked. They'd have been ill. The mouse thought it over. So, yes, they were ill. Very, very ill. Alice helped herself to some tea and bread and butter. Then she turned to the mouse and asked another question. Why did they live at the bottom of a well? Please tell me. The mouse again took a minute or two to think. Finally, he said, It was a molasses well. Yes, yes, a molasses well. There's no such thing, said Alice. She was beginning to get angry. Before she could protest any more, the Hatter and the March Hare said, Shh, 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 shh. If you can't be civil, said the Dormouse, then finish the story yourself. I'm sorry, said Alice. Do go on. I won't interrupt you again. The Dormouse continued with his story. So the sisters were learning to draw. What did they draw? asked Alice. She had forgotten her promise. Why, molasses, of course, said the mouse. I want a clean cup, 
interrupted the Hatter. Let's all move one place over. He moved one over as he spoke. The mouse followed him, then the March Hare moved into the mouse's place, and Alice, rather unwillingly, took the place of the March Hare. This was too bad for Alice, as the March Hare had just spilt milk all over his plate. I don't understand, said Alice. Where did they draw the molasses out of? The Hatter interrupted. You can draw water out of a well, can't you? Oh, should I think you could draw molasses out of a molasses well? They were learning to draw, the mouse went on, yawning and rubbing his eyes. He was getting very sleepy. And they drew all sorts of things. They started with everything that begins with uh, the letter um, M. He yawned again and couldn't finish his sentence. Why the letter M? Why not? Asked the March Hare. Alice shrugged and didn't know what to say. The mouse had closed his eyes by this time. He started to doze off. When the Hatter saw this, he pinched the mouse. Of course the mouse awoke with a little shriek and went on. Oh, he drew anything that started with an M. You know, things like a mouse trap. Uh, the moon? How could I forget muchness? You know, you say things are much of muchness. Do you ever see such a thing as a drawing of muchness? Really, now that you ask me, said Alice, confused, I don't think. Then you shouldn't talk! Screamed the Hatter. It's quite simple. The piece this piece of rudeness was more than Alice could bear. She got up in disgust and walked off. The mouse fell asleep instantly. None of the others noticed or seemed to care that she was leaving. Alice half hoped that they would notice and call after her to return. The last time she saw them, they were trying to put the dormouse in the teapot. That was the oddest tea party ever, Alice said as she walked through the woods. I won't be going back there. Just as she said this, she noticed one of the trees had a door leading right into it. How curious. But everything is curious today, isn't it? I must go in at once. And in she went. Once more, she found herself in a long hall and close to the little glass table. I'll manage better this time. She took the key and unlocked the door that led to the garden. Then she nibbled on a mushroom until she was a foot high. Ah, perfect size. Alice walked down the passage and found herself at last in the beautiful garden. In no time, she was standing among the bright flower beds and cool fountains. Chapter 8. Croquet with the Queen A large rose, rose bush stood near the entrance of the garden. The roses on it were white. Three gardeners were busy painting each one of them red. Alice thought it was curious, so she moved a little closer to watch them. Look at five, don't go splashing paint all over me like that. I couldn't help it, said five, sulking. Seven bumped my elbow. Seven looked up. That's right, five, always the blame of someone else. You better not talk, said five. Why, just yesterday I heard the queen say you deserve to be beheaded. What for? 
asked the first gardener. That's none your business, too, said seven. Yes, it is his business, said five. I'll tell him. It was for bringing the cook tulips instead of onions. Seven flung down his bush and began. Of course, of all the unjust things. That's when he caught sight of Alice. He looked over carefully and then bowed. Alice moved a bit closer. Would you please tell me why you're painting the roses red? Five and seven said nothing but looked at two. Two spoke at once. The fact is, they should have been a red rose tree. We put in a white one by mistake. If the queen finds out, she'll have our heads cut. We're doing our best to fix it before the queen sees it. Five, who had been looking anxiously across the garden, started shouting, The queen! The queen! The queen is coming! With those words, the three gardeners threw themselves flat on their faces. Alice looked around, eager to see the queen. First came ten soldiers carrying clubs. These were all shaped like gardeners. They were oblong and flat, with their hands and their feet at the corners. Next, ten diamond couriers marched in by two. The royal children, ten of them covered in hearts, followed holding hands and jumping along. Next came the guests. Many of them were kings and queens. The white rabbit followed. He looked nervous as he smiled at everyone. He didn't seem to notice Alice as he rushed by her. The next two to appear were the knave of hearts carrying the king's crown on a velvet cushion. The last two to join the grand procession were the king and queen of hearts. The queen looked at Alice. Who is this? she asked. The knave of hearts simply bowed and smiled. Idiot, she barked. She turned and stared at Alice. What is your name, child? My name is Alice, Alice replied. Then she muttered to herself, they're only a pack of cards after all. I needn't be afraid of them. The queen pointed to the gardeners. And who exactly are they? For when she saw them lying face down, she could see the pattern on their back. They were part of the pack. She could tell if they were gardeners, solids, or even their own children. How should I know, said Alice, a bit surprised at her own courage. It's none of mine. The queen's face grew red and angered. Off with her head! Nonsense! said Alice in a loud voice. The queen was shocked and stood with her mouth open. The king urged the queen. She's but a child. The queen turned. Turn them over, waving carefully at the cards laying face down. Get up, said the queen in a shrill voice. The gardeners got off their bellies and bowed before the king and queen. The queen walked towards the trees. What? Have you been doing here? She became quite angry when she saw white, not red roses. Off with their heads at once. She continued the procession, leaving three soldiers behind to take care of everyone else. Alice protected them. I won't let them behead you. First, she distracted the soldiers, and then she hid them in a flower pot. The soldiers tried to find them. After a few minutes, they gave up and wandered off. When the queen saw the soldiers and Alice rejoin the procession, she asked, Are their heads off yet? The deed is done, said the soldiers. The queen looked at Alice and smiled. 
Can you play croquet? Yes, Alice shouted. Come then, roared the queen. Alice quickly joined the queen in line and wondered what would happen next. A timid voice spoke up beside her. It's a very fine day, isn't it? It was the white rabbit. A very nice day, yes, said Alice. Where's the duchess? Hush, said the rabbit. He looked over his shoulder and then whispered in her ear. She's supposed to be executed today. She boxed the queen's ears. Alice laughed. Hush, the white rabbit said. He pointed to the queen. She'll hear you. Get to your places, the queen shouted. Soon, people ran to all sorts of places in all sorts of directions. Many tumbled this way and that way. Within seconds, the game began. Alice couldn't believe her eyes. The croquet balls were live hedgehogs. The mallets were live flamingos. The soldiers had to double up and make the arches using their hands and feet. What a curious game, Alice said. In this game, there were no rules. At least, it appeared there were no rules. Alice wasn't quite sure. She never heard any rules, only an angered queen shouting, Off with his head, or off with her head, over and over again. They were constantly quarreling. They are awfully fond of beheading people here, thought Alice. I'm surprised anyone is still alive. This game is so difficult to play, said Alice. Perhaps if I could manage my flamingo, I could hit the hedgehog. Just when she was about to, to take aim, the hedgehog unrolled itself. It's no use, said Alice. I've had more than enough of this game. As she started to wonder how she could disappear without being noticed, she spotted the grin of the Cheshire cat. How are you getting on? asked the cat. Alice waited until the cat's ears appeared. She knew there was no use in speaking until it could actually hear her. I don't think they play fairly here. They quarrel so much that they cannot hear, that one cannot hear herself think. There are no rules. It's quite odd. How do you like the queen? I don't like her at all, Alice said. She's... Alice stopped, for she noticed the queen listening. She's likely to win, so it's hardly worth finishing the game. The queen smiled and continued on. Who are you talking to? Said the king, continuing to Alice. He looked at the cat with great curiosity. It's a friend of mine, a Cheshire cat, said Alice. Allow me to introduce you. I don't like the look of it at all, said the king. However, it may kiss my hand if it likes. I'd rather not, the cat remarked. Don't look at me like that, said the king. He moved behind Alice for protection. Alice interrupted. A cat is allowed to look at a king. I, I read it somewhere. I don't like the look of it. It must be removed at once, the queen said as she passed by. My dear... Have the cat taken away, the queen shouted, off with its head. That was the only way she knew how to handle difficulties. I'll fetch the executioner myself, said the king to the queen as he hurried off. Within minutes, the king returned. A crowd had gathered to see what all the commotion was about. A great argument followed. The executioner argued that the cat 
that you can't cut off a head unless there is a body attached to it. The king argued that anything that had a head could be beheaded. The queen argued that if something wasn't done quickly, she'd have everyone beheaded. Alice couldn't think of anything to say except, I think the cat belongs to the duchess. Why not ask her? She's in prison, said the king. Go fetch her, said the queen to the executioner. The cat's head began fading away. By the time the king returned with the duchess, it had entirely disappeared. So the king and the executioner ran wildly about looking for it, and everyone else went back to playing the game. Thank you so much for joining me in my library for this reading. Next Monday, we will finish the Calico Illustrated Classics, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland by reading chapters 9, 10, 11, and 12. If you have story suggestions, you can email me at antijojoslibrary at gmail.com or you can click the message button on the app that you're listening to this podcast on and leave me a message. As always, I'm looking forward to sharing more stories with you.